Yo, what's happening, everybody? My name is Anthony Correnti, and thank you, as always, for checking out another episode of The Dynasty Drive. I appreciate all the support, as always. We're going to keep rolling right on through our division preview series today. And uh, today we're talking AFC North. I was joined by Tim Torch. He's at It's Tim Torch on Twitter, uh, co-host of the Under the Helmet podcast and contributor of written content over with the Dogland Tim provided a lot of great insight for everything AFC North, so we're not going to waste too much time here. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to this podcast. If you could leave a review and rate five stars, that stuff is always greatly appreciated. And also check out the newest episode of the Dynasty Draft Room over on the NFL Draft Bible Podcast Network podcast feed. And uh, myself, Ryan Searfoss, and Eric Adams ran through a, uh, a little startup mock draft scenario for, for Dynasty rosters that just came out uh, a day ago. So make sure to check that out and subscribe to that feed as well if you haven't already. But we're going to hop right into this conversation with Tim and listen to everything that he had to say regarding the AFC North. All right. Joining me on today's episode of the podcast is Tim Torch. You can follow him on Twitter at It's Tim Torch. Under the Helmet podcast co-host and contributor with the Dogland, Tim. What is happening, my friend? How are you today? Thanks for having me. This is this is a pleasant uh, surprise and experience to get to do. I've only had one other guest ex- guest uh, appearance this off season. Uh, I'm I'm behind the paywall over at UTH. I'm I'm on the Patreon podcast with, with Chad Parsons, and of course, uh, Katie Flower does the frontward facing podcast. Um, so I'm a little bit more behind the scenes. Not too many people see my name or hear my voice anymore. So anytime I get this opportunity, I'm, I'm always excited to talk shop with someone because I just don't get that opportunity enough. So I, I I appreciate this. This is, this is wonderful for me. Absolutely. I'm happy to be the place where you get an opportunity and what better opportunity than to talk AFC North. I figured you were a good guy to have on. This Uh, is home. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And that's what I wanted. People that were familiar with these divisions for the most part, uh, and it's an interesting division, I think, because the standings from a year ago, I don't think are really indicative of the total you know, view of the landscape of the division. Uh, Roethlisberger is a year older for the Steelers. The Ravens add some weapons. The Browns have another year in Stefanski's system and Odell comes back. Burrow coming back from injury for the Bengals. Uh, so it, it's kind of feels almost wide open and we'll kind of get into it from top down the way the standings were last year. So starting with the Steelers. Uh, Roethlisberger is another year removed from that injury that he had, but the real question I think we all coming back to is, is there anything left? Like last season made him look sort of like a shell of himself. Uh, the offense was predicated on quick throws. He didn't have the deep ball. Do you think Ben is done? Does that offense kind of look like it does down the stretch last season, or do you think they get it back on track at all? Yeah. So the big shift for me, so I, I don't know if you know this because this definitely wasn't in my bio, but for football guys, not last year specifically, but in prior years, I was actually the one doing write-ups for the Steelers for football guys. Um, so they have team recaps and I, w- I did the Steelers and it's interesting to see the shift that is probably going to be coming to this team moving into 2021. Because as we all know, and we all like to make fun of Big Ben, that play-action game really wasn't there. That wasn't really a piece of the puzzle. But this offseason, they bring in Matt Canada. 
And Matt Canada brings more of a creative offense. He wants to do the play action. He wants to actually create miss mismatches across the field, similar to the way you see like Stefanski does and so many others. But like as you alluded to, Ben Roethlisberger is the problem. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's not the piece that goes away. So I, I don't think you're going to see that much of a shift in terms of the quick passing game. And we might get into the weapons just a little bit there, of course. But I, I think Ben Roethlisberger is probably going to be a little bit more of the same. You're going to have more of the fast start, more of the quick throws. But as we always have a concern, as the season goes on and and people part, uh, other teams start picking up on that a little bit more. What does that look like? And and I could see him fading in a very similar way next season, like he did in twenty twenty. Yeah, I, I definitely share those concerns. It just feels like he might have spurts where you know I don't even want to say he looks like the Ben of old, but you know you, you get a little bit of some of that magic. But I have a feeling that down the stretch, we kind of see what we saw down the stretch last year where it was, he just doesn't quite have it there anymore. And talking about the, uh, the weapons that you alluded to, then, you know, the top three pass catchers all return. Juju comes back on that one year deal, which was mildly surprising. I think the, the wide receiver market just kind of cratered and he probably didn't get the, the multi-year offer that he was looking for. Um, from a dynasty perspective, obviously the future I think is the murkiest for Juju, but he's still fairly young. He's become, I think honestly, a little bit, a, bit of a value as of late with how far he's kind of fallen down uh, where he's valued at in startups and even in, you know, talks of uh, in terms of trade value. Um, So I guess with the three guys coming back, Juju, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, do you have a preference out of those guys that you're targeting? Do you think it's Deontay is still the target monster that he was last year and maybe overcome some of the drops or just your thoughts on as a whole on the Pittsburgh wide receiver group? Yeah, this, this group as a whole is it's quality. So that, that immediately gives you some level of excitement for Ben Roethlisberger. So there, that part, I, I always look at these types of offenses, man, you're, you're not so excited about this piece, that piece, but you have to remember some total when you look at the pieces, where, where does that production ultimately, where's the focal point? And, and that is Ben Roethlisberger. I, I don't completely understand the discount that's coming with Juju. And yeah. in my opinion, it's 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 most interesting because he had another offer on the table. He could have linked himself up to the Kansas City Chiefs with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And from what I understand, they were offering him same or better money. And he he could have just had that instant upgrade. The, it, but I, I guess part of it is, does he want to play third or even fourth fiddle in that offense? Sure. So he comes back to Pittsburgh, a comfortable place for him, just on a one-year deal. And I, I almost wonder if there's maybe future promises that are happening there because Ben Roethlisberger is likely going away. That money is going away. The cap's going up next year. So Juju, I'm I'm comfortable with him, number one, because of his age, and number two, just because of the track record of production that he already has. It Kind of when I talk about Juju, I think of Jordan Matthews plus. So so kind of that rich man's Jordan Matthews is probably going to stick around a little bit longer. And he's been productive for so long. He was productive from 19 years old at USC. And he, it's just continued at one point. Yeah. I, I think last season at one point he was a second round startup pick. And yeah. that that value is just gone. It, it's, it's completely Plummeted. gone away. The other real interesting piece that I'm excited about, 
before I go to the part I'm not excited about is Chase Claypool. Because he's just doing so many great things at such a young age. The And then he has the size-adjusted speed. It's just that big red zone target. You saw so many ways that he was a mismatch. And I don't see that part going away. The part I can really see going away is Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. That fool just messed up. <laughs> he kept <laughs> dropping. I, I I understand when you you want to sit there and say someone has he's electric. He he can win after the catch. He can do this and that. But if he can't hold on to the ball, then he isn't going to do any of those things. It, it just it just doesn't really happen for him. So I'm excited about Juju. Yes, but he he has a track record of production. Chase Claypool, uh, again, just that overall, we we don't see these size-adjusted mammoth wide receivers anymore that can be, he he has number one wide receiver overall in his range of outcomes, period. Mm -hmm. It's just there. Deontay Johnson, I think people are still going to get excited about because he's going to have opportunities but in terms of people that I'm targeting, it, it's probably going to be the other two in in their range versus a Deontay Johnson. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I love the value that Juju's become. And yeah. it, it's a strange scenario of uh, a player who's still young and, like you said, has produced to the tunes of yards, touchdowns. Like, he's done it. And it's almost like he will forever be criticized for not being the second coming of Antonio Brown, like post Antonio Brown. Um, But yeah, like you said, he was a second round startup pick and he's getting drafted like a, almost like a fringe wide receiver three. Now it's like the pendulum swung back a hundred percent, the opposite direction. Uh, I I don't know many wide receivers that have two seasons of 120 plus targets and, and people are just fading the hell out of them. Yeah, I I, I just don't get it. So last season he had 128 targets and 97 receptions. Now, granted, the total yardage and wasn't great, but but you want the targets, you want the volume, and he was 24 last season. Next year he's only going to be 25, and he already has two seasons with 120 plus targets on his resume. I I mean, I I don't know how many places you can buy, buy that level of production this cheaply. And that's something we've talked about so often over at UTH recently is that the wide receiver value just keeps getting pushed down. So going outside the division, if you're talking about like Mike Evans and uh, we'll go back to the division, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, all of these guys that are just becoming values as they're being pushed down the board. Uh, And that's why the, the kind of robust running back is becoming so exciting towards the top of drafts. Yeah. Because, or if you're in super flex, so you load up on your running backs, you get your wide receiver. Hell, maybe you go tight end more earlier than you thought you were going to go. The reason you're more excited about doing that is because of this value that's really being pushed down. And uh, I don't get it. I my Kind of the key phrase I've been looking at recently is fantasy football doesn't need to be hard. <laughs> we, so so, so, sometimes we just <laughs> overthink it. Sometimes we just want to nitpick the hell out of it and just <laughs> and make it this really hard and intricate thing that, that that's impossible for people to do and it's really not yeah <laughs> it really isn't so if you're listening to this podcast you can do fantasy football you can do dynasty fantasy football it's really not meant to be hard uh but but it's just some people 
oh, oh, 10, 20 years ago, this is the profile. And this is how, this is how many, ca- it, it's really not that hard. Pe- people make it so much harder than it needs to be. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic point. And talking about going, you know, robust with running back and, you know, identifying him at the right time. We got to talk about the guy that the Steelers spent a first round draft pick on Najee Harris. What are your thoughts long-term on Najee? Any concerns over Pittsburgh offensive line? I know it wasn't great last year. DeCastro's gone, who admittedly wasn't great last year anyway either. Right. Um, but just I, I, I'm a big believer in Najee Harris. I, he was my running back one coming into the draft. I think yeah. even um, you know being a bigger back, I think he didn't get the credit he really deserved for probably being the best pass-catching running back in the draft as well. Oh, for um, sure opportunity will obviously be there, but do you have any concerns about the efficiency behind the offensive line? No, because I I think one of the the beautiful parts with a Najee Harris, when you bring him in is that you don't have to really worry as much about the, about the offensive line because he can do swing passes. He can run routes. He can, he can be effective in so many different ways that it doesn't have to be just him running between the tackles in, and really destroying his body over the course of a season. He can win similar ways that a David Montgomery can win on the edges. Now, now granted, I, I don't think the elite physical tools are there, but when you have the type of hands and uh, type of pass catching ability that Harris has, that can mitigate issues that you have in, on your offensive line. And that can also help Ben Roethlisberger because what was he dealing with last year? He had James Conner maybe would stay in for a quarter or a half before he would have to leave the game. Uh, Benny Snell, who really didn't offer you much on the edges. Jalen Samuels, who really could only offer you work on the edges. So this does add a uh, really that three dimensions to the, uh, to, to the backfield that can really help Ben Roethlisberger out, help the offensive line out and um and just overall have another quality weapon there i agree with you he was my running back one in terms of coming into this draft because i mean who who else are you going to go with yeah i i understand wanting to go with travis etienne he he is a tremendous talent but if you're looking at year one i mean there is carlos hyde you you can't just forget about him james robinson had a quality season last year I, I i mean i i'm not ready to make those type of decisions especially when you can have a quality running back right off the bat yeah not to go totally off the rails but projecting the jacksonville backfield is a mess i was working on it earlier and i was like this is a nightmare to right. try and project out robinson hyde and etienne it's just there's well, you- even when you start getting those comments from the coaching staff, oh, he's he's a great third down back. Yeah, right. Literally, right when the draft happened, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. But then you got to worry about Lavisca Chanel. Yeah, I mean, he was there as a pass catcher. He lined up in the backfield often. Um, what kinds of opportunities is he going to see with Etienne joining the offense? And uh, it's there's only one ball. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to put it. Well, moving on to the Baltimore Ravens, we'll start up top again. Uh, Lamar Jackson, do you think more of what we've come to expect from Lamar? We've got some new weapons in place. Sammy Watkins, Tylen Wallace, Rashad Bateman. Uh, Do you think any of that sees any impact or growth as a passer? Talking about projections, I have Lamar statted out for pretty much what we've come to expect from him. You know, 3,800 passing yards, 30 touchdowns nine picks, just over a thousand rushing yards. I think he's going to finish as an elite quarterback option again for fantasy purposes, but do you think 
he takes that next step as a passer at all? Do any of these passing game weapons help him out any? I, I would like to say yes. Um, in my opinion, I, I think there is a reason he hasn't uh, been signed to that big contract yet. I, I do think part of it has to do with waiting to see what Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, and the like really sign up for. But on the other part of it, I I want to know. I I don't really know if they feel he's he can do that if that's his game. But also, what the follow up to that question is: How many hits is he really going to be able to take that that sure. body? Because I, I understand people want to say he's a top two or three dynasty dynasty quarterback. But when I look at a quarterback like Pat Mahomes, I I consider him obviously the, the platinum standard because not only is he, he's probably going to be with your team for 10 plus years, but 12, 13 plus years. And you can count on him being healthy for most of those. If you look step down, Josh Allen, I, I can see very similar him being there for somewhere around 10 years. Am I as confident to sit here and say that with Lamar Jackson, when I've seen the, when I've seen the annual, not regression, but where, where is he taking steps forward? Where, where is he continuing to develop and win? And I'm not really seeing that level of progression. I do hope the weapons help, but, but what level of help are you going to get? Sammy Watkins. Don't get me wrong. I I love Sammy Watkins as much as the next person. I, I was right there considering him the top two or three wide receivers of that 2014 wide receiver class with Brandon Cooks, Mike Evans, Allen Robinson, all those names that we know and love. But obviously he's been a bit derailed. Uh, Hollywood Brown, uh, again, just is he there or not there? I, uh, I'm i sure any day now we're going to get reports of him bulking up and, <laughs> and trying to <laughs> be Mighty Mouse or something. Best shape of his life. Best shape yeah. of his life. Uh, I, I don't know. I I don't really think I'm going to see him take big steps forward. I don't think you're going to see that leap from him to be a quality passer. So I feel like with Lamar Jackson, my move is always going to be, what can I turn him into that, that is going to be another quality piece for my team? What, what can I sell him for plus plus that that's going to be a bigger help than to have him on my team? Cause for me, while I love the upside, like he has 50 point upside yeah. weekly. But is that going to become a problem? Are those hits really going to get to him at some point? Or or even worse, is this team going to be like, all right, you need to do better as a passer. You need to stay in the pocket and make that work. And then we see a real regression where we're not we're not seeing the quality passing yards, or maybe you're seeing a slight uptick in your passing yards, but you're not seeing the rushing upside. And that would be devastating. I think it's a, a great point that you make about turning Lamar into something else plus because he, like you said, 50-point week is in the range of outcomes every week with his athleticism and skill set. But that the trade value that exists for him, especially in Superflex, is so big yep. because of – you know, everybody's looking for, you know, the Konami code quarterback right. and everybody wants, you know, that quarterback. The, the, the tricky thing for me is – and I haven't projected for a thousand rushing yards, but I can't find right. a place where he throws for more than 4,000 yards. And right. that's in a season with an extra game. And that as <laughs> you're going through and statting right. guys out, it's like, 
I, yeah, I've got Dak projected for almost 6,000 passing yards. It feels like, you know what I mean? He's, I haven't projected out for like 56 or 5,700 yards passing. And that's, you know, a tale of that whole situation right. that's, you know, boiled over there, but it's hard, even with the influx of weapons there to, it almost, it's almost like it dings everybody. Like aside from Lamar for the weapons themselves, it's like, I don't know. Like Mark Andrews is probably the top guy there to, yep. you know, from a receiving standpoint is Bateman, the guy that gets the next <laughs> amount of work. Is it a Hollywood rookie. Brown? Like, Are you going to be excited about a rookie? Right. And don't get me wrong. Rookie wide receivers. I understand the love. I understand that people want to go there and be excited about those guys, but there's also plenty of room for concern. So if you were rostering Lamar and say super flex, you know, pretty, you, you're, what feels like the normal ordinary dynasty setup these days, super flex, tight end, yep. premium, PPR, all that stuff. Would you trade Lamar for say, let me look at my rankings real quick and see a guy that's further down, say a first plus somebody like, Hmm. Gosh, it's hard. Would you trade him for <laughs> Jalen hurts in a first? Oh No. I, I have my own feelings on Jalen Hurts. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm out on Jalen Hurts too. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, there, this. So real, real quick side side note. I, I, I was completely. It's always about cost for me. I was completely on board for Jalen Hurts last year when he was going for a second round rookie pick. I could just grab him off the scrap heap or or whatever that situation was like, or or trade for him in the middle of the season before Carson Wentz was injured. Those are the type of moves I was really excited about. Now it's dumb. It, it's straight it's up impossible for him to ever return value. It, it's straight up crazy. So I I have escaped Jalen Hurts wherever possible. I don't care if the guy's a top ten quarterback this year, because you know what? He's probably going to suck. <laughs> just just because you put up a quality fantasy season doesn't mean you're a good quarterback and you're going to be able to stick around. I haven't checked it again recently. Last I looked was towards the end of June and Hertz, I think was getting drafted as like the QB 13 in DLF's right. ADP. That's insane. Like right. yep. just that, like everything has to hit for it to go right. Yep. It's so, so risky. And if you're drafting him there, it's like you're paying, you're paying the top end of the range of outcomes. Like it's right. so much more likely that the bottom falls out. So, so we have kind of a, a saying over at UTH where if you get rid of a stud, you better make sure you're getting a, who you consider a stud plus back. So if I am trading a Lamar Jackson and, and moving into something else, that that's fine. I, I, I really think that people can easily make those types of moves and feel comfortable with their team. But, but it's really what that second piece looks like. Mm -hmm. um, so, so probably something I would would not recommend, especially since we're bringing this into the division a little bit. Would you do like uh, a Lamar Jackson for Baker Mayfield and a twenty twenty two first? No, that's not something I would be excited about. But I do think you might be able to do something like Lamar Jackson and Trevor Lawrence plus um, plus a couple of nice pieces with that. Or, or you mentioned Dak Prescott. If people uh, are a little bit concerned about the the leg, maybe you want to go to the older quarterback and actually get a Matt Stafford and then add a little bit onto that. The move that I think I'm excited about that maybe not everybody's on yet, I would move from Lamar Jackson into Trey Lance 
plus some crazy stuff. Because Trey Lance is so far down right now. Mm-hmm. Give me some Trey Lance with, with Kyle Shanahan. The upside he has as a passer, those quality weapons with Brandon Ayuk, uh, Kittle, uh, Debo Samuel, and everyone else on that roster, and the longevity you will have there with that type, because he's built like a tank. He's built like he can really take some of that punishment. That's the type of deal that I would be really excited about, because you mentioned the Konami code. If you want to talk about another quarterback that can immediately give you that Konami code, it's Trey Lance. I love that. Yeah, I agree. Trey Lance landing in San Francisco was kind of dream scenario, best case scenario, I think, for his skill set and what it could uh, potentially be like. Somebody I'm more excited about on the Baltimore Ravens is J.K. Dobbins. I'm a big J.K. Dobbins guy. I'm not concerned about Gus Edwards hanging around or the modest contract extension he received because right. I think he was always going to be around and People overreacted to seeing the headline or seeing getting, you know, the, the Schefter tweet notification of Gus Edwards on the contract <laughs> extension. Um, how do you think see things playing out for the Ravens backfield? Is JK, you know, due for the big breakout we've all patiently waited for for a, for a year? Because he's a guy that I think conservatively can kind of be viewed as, you know, back end RB1 finish, but the ceiling finish for me is like if the double digit touchdowns are there and right. if heaven forbid the Ravens start to throw the ball to the running back someday, like if there's right. a world where yeah. he gets 30 plus receptions, it's like top five ceiling where he you, could finish. You really hit my concern there. It's are, are they going to start passing to the, to the running back? And they haven't to this point. Yeah. There's been no change in offensive coordinator. So isn't, isn't it like the definition of his insanity is expecting <laughs> something different <laughs> when you keep seeing the same thing. So I'm not saying you're insane, but, <laughs> but maybe we can make some implications based off of what people are. Th- I it, truth be told, I am excited about him this year. Mark Ingram's out of the way. Not that he was a big roadblock last year, but he yeah. was there. Um, Taking it from a three-headed monster to a two-headed monster can can also be good because you you just have less it's less flattening of the curve. You have more more of it really up there. So that that's exciting to me. Just those two having the volume, even if it is a a firm A B situation, that's fine. And and we something we always preach at UTH is just being able to have that backup running back. So if something does happen to Dobbins, you do want Gus Edwards there because whether or not you're as high on him as everyone else, you can at least be excited about him as a backup. But yeah, I I do feel, I always talk about the, the Robert Griffin days back when uh, Alfred Morris was able to be a, a RB one and just mm-hmm. remember the limitations he had physically. Sure. So now you're talking about literally a gold standard running back, one with a, a quality metric profile, quality physical profile, whatever you want to look at. He, he does check the boxes. So him having a running back one season is definitely there. Where you have to be careful, though, is if you're going to say top five. Because normally to be a top five, it's not 30 receptions. It's usually 50 plus receptions. Sure. That, it, not even, I'm not even saying Christian McCaffrey. You have to be, you have to be just a step below that because McCaffrey, I mean, he's like a hundred target type of running back. Yeah. Can you be the 50 to 60 target guy? 
maybe 70. That's probably, that's probably about where you need to be to be that top five running back. And I don't know if that's where he is. And, and I'll say the same thing about like Cam Akers. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't know if he has that ceiling either. And just remember, there is a really quality backup behind him as well. Yeah, I think it, solid points uh, because the, the lack of passing work is the biggest concern for Dobbins. And it's it's <laughs> like that perfect world scenario. Like this, this is a plea to the Baltimore Ravens to please throw the ball yeah. to your dynamite second year running back. Oh um, yeah, if they if they did, I I do I'm with you. The sky is the limit. RB one RB one overall is well within the range of outcomes. Yeah, it's more an indictment of how the offense runs. Like they don't throw the ball to the running back. Lamar runs those himself. Like exactly. You know what I mean? The play breaks down, and Lamar is capable of. We've seen it time and time again, taking anything 40, 50, 60 yards on his own. Yep. So those are those plays that often turn into dump offs for other teams, but. I hold out. I hold out hope for the days where J.K. Dobbins can see fifty to sixty targets because I think I, uh, good things would really, really. Happen. I, I am just interested in the offensive line a little bit there mm-hmm. in Baltimore as well because Orlando Brown's gone. Yeah, I mean, that sure he was playing right tackle. You can say whatever you want about right tackles, but tackles are important no matter what side you're on. It, it is the edge of your offensive line, and I'll just be interested to see kind of the how they move forward from that loss because Lamar Jackson puts a lot of stress on offensive lines. Yeah, absolutely. And I think everybody will eventually come around to, you know, it's not 10, 15 years ago where your right tackle didn't matter as much as your left tackle, right? right? It's we've seen these guys over the past couple of years start to get paid more and more when they hit free agency, even if they're a right tackle, because nobody wants their young prize quarterback running for their life back there anymore as electric of a runner as he is. But, to your point, he absolutely can put some undue stress on an offensive line in those situations. All right, let's talk Cleveland Browns. We'll start with the quarterback again. Baker was drafted as the quarterback 17 in Superflex startups in the month of June on DLF. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on his likelihood of outperforming that value? Do you think it's about right? I kind of love him as a target if for my quarterback two in Superflex leagues. Uh, I think he, you know, isn't going to finish inside the top 12, but I think he's somebody that you can get late enough to kind of pretty safely fill that second quarterback spot. If you go a different route aside from quarterback heavy early on in those drafts. I agree. I, that's, that's a perfect place to have him because he's a steady Eddie. He, mm-hmm. He's going to be someone you can plug into that, uh, to that quarterback two spot and you can just be happy. He's there. Uh, you have a quarterback playing. He can give you like that 15 to 22 points, maybe every now and then he'll just go a little bit bonkers because of the weapons that are there, but, but really he'll, he'll settle in right in that middle ground where he won't kill you, but he also won't, won't likely won't win you the week. Like one of those top end guys, he's, he, he is a really great addition. Um, it, it's just, it, it also is a little bit in how you play. Because if you value that upside from the quarterback two spot, you're not going to be too excited to get him there. Sure. But for me, but for me, for Superflex, I just like having a quality piece there. Um, the move that I sometimes make though is so if I want to take a Baker Mayfield and turn that into a Matt Ryan plus a future draft pick, and then do something a little bit off the wall like that, that that can sometimes be my move because. I'm just as excited about Matt Ryan. I feel he can give me that base, if not a little bit better. And then I get the future capital on top of that. That that's exciting to me. That that added piece to it. 
kind of and, having and, your cake and eating it too. Yeah. And, and don't, I hope people aren't misconstruing me too much because I know the idea with, uh, with UTH, some of the misconception that's always been there is, Oh, you're all about draft picks and never really build the good, the quality team that wins championships. I, and you're always just trying to get future rookie picks. I'll also say this with Baker Mayfield. I love the idea of someone being excited about how young he is taking Baker Mayfield and a piece and getting him into one of those bigger quarterbacks that you like. So do you want to try make a, a real push for Dak Prescott? Take Baker Mayfield plus something, especially if you have a strong team. And you know what? Give yourself that second QB1 to really bolster things. I think it works both ways depending on what type of team you have, especially those those stronger teams. I love being able to start combining pieces and, and turn them into like really, really big, strong pieces. Yeah. And, and then I can play the waiver wire game a little bit more easily. So so it can really work both ways with Baker Mayfield. He, he's a great piece to have, but I'm, I'm also willing to shift either direction. That's fair. The running game is what's most exciting, I think, for everybody when you look at the Cleveland Browns. I'm really big on both, I think, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt this year. I think I might be a little higher on Hunt than <laughs> consensus. Um, I like him a pretty fair amount, but yep. I, how do you think the split goes this year? I know Hunt disappointed when Chubb was out with the injury. People expected massive numbers. It didn't quite happen, but it seems like the team has showed trust in him even when Chubb is on the field. I think Chubb's the clear leader in the backfield. I, I think he'll have, I, I projected him out for a double digit rushing touchdowns, 10 scores and over 1200 rushing yards. But I think Kareem Hunt can still put up, you know, 900, 950 rushing yards. And I have him scored out for six touchdowns right now, plus 300 yards receiving. So I think he's somebody that I'd have to check my rankings. Um, <laughs> I don't have him pull up in front of me last time. Yeah. I think I had him RB 19 the last yep. I looked. So he That's just fair. snuck in. Uh, but again, fair. I know that's, I, I think, a little higher than some others have them. But uh, I guess your thoughts on the backfield as a whole, do you see them both kind of being relevant on a weekly basis? Yeah, I'll I'll answer that, but I'll also add a little bit of context that, to support what you're saying is they made significant investments on their defense. So the reason I bring that up is because I don't feel like they're going to be in shootouts a very similar way to they were so often last year. So by finding some stability on defense, they're not going to have to score as many points or they're not going to have to worry about the come from behind victories quite as often. I think that running game, while they ran a lot last year, I think they could find more efficiency in it this, this season. Um, their starting offensive line comes back intact. Um, and uh, hopefully healthier. Jedrick Wills, another another year in the system. Um, Conklin, a, another year just developing. Um, and hopefully just the inside of that offensive line is able to stay a little bit healthier this season. Um, yeah, I, I definitely don't see a problem seeing 2,000 yards in that backfield at all with those two quality options if they're able to stay healthy knock on knock on wood and in in my opinion actually the weapons they added around the um odell beckham jr being able to return that's great that's going to take some pressure off the offensive line uh adding anthony schwartz who is a lid lifter if if he's yeah. anything if he's just one thing, if you want to call him one thing, he's a lid lifter to be able to take that safety out of the box and, and to make them focus deep and to 
create more running lanes. So yeah, there's there's plenty to be excited about the backfield. Um, the wide receiving core and tight end room is probably uh, where it gets most muddy and where people are going to really find the biggest problems. So speaking of the wide receivers, and you mentioned Odell's coming back from the injury, do you think he gains you know any bit of his former form back? I do. Um, I, I, I think I, he's I, become I, almost a value, like we were talking about Juju earlier. It's swung so I, far the other way now. It has, and it's been so long since we've seen it. Um, go back and watch the Dallas game from last year, and you s- just see flashes. Mm-hmm. And I'm not willing to write him off. It reminds me of a conversation Chad and I have so often about Rashad Penny, and it's it, it's it's one thing if you want to write a guy off and say he's never he's never flashed, he's never shown anything, he's never been able to do it. And Penny, we actually have seen those flashes from time to time when he's been healthy. Mm-hmm. With Odell Beckham Jr., he was one of the most productive young wide receivers we had ever seen in fantasy football, bar none. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was on a historic track. And now people just want to sit back and say, he's done, he's finished. He, I mean, the guy's not even 30 yet. <laughs> <laughs> that age cliff gets earlier and earlier every year. <laughs> I, mean, you're, I, I understand you want to put Allen Robinson ahead of him, but think of it this way. They're, they're the same age. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just, just, just that mind and they certainly blowing. don't get viewed that way. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and the opportunity is there because this team wants to get Odell Beckham jr. Involved. And so part, part of the narrative that I've heard a lot of being in the Cleveland area is that when Odell Beckham jr. Was out and the offense actually started clicking that pissed him off. <laughs> that made him really angry that they finally started hitting their stride when he was injured. And and to debunk part of it, it's not that the offense really just started clicking. They had their bye week in there. And from what I understand, Stefanski sat down with Baker Mayfield and they threw out a large part of the playbook. And they were like, what is working? What's not working? What are you comfortable with? And what can we really do um, to create comfort within this offense? And that's when things really started hitting their stride. So I, I, I'm i excited to see what this offense does with a full full, uh, full camp. It, well, as much as it can be, full in camp. And then some level of preseason, whatever that looks like. I think there's plenty of opportunity for optimism. I don't know if I'm willing to put him at wide receiver one type of category, but in my opinion, I think 120 targets is there. Yeah. I don't think that's crazy at all. It's, it really does remind me of the juju situation where it's like, it's swung so far back the other way. People are just like inexplicably out on him. Not, they don't like, it's not even like they want him at a lower cost. They just don't want him at all. And I wanted to pull it up real quick. I actually have him projected for just 119 targets. <laughs> so right pretty much at that line. So I think it's spot on, but people are so out that he's become a value. And like, yep. oddly enough, somebody that I'm back to targeting because the cost has come down so significantly. It, it's if you just, if you play dynasty fantasy football and just buy into the hate, so <laughs> <Yeah>. every year <laughs> I feel like I you can win so much. <laughs> you can win so much money. Just buy in where so people are heating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wrap things up with the Cincinnati Bengals. 
Uh, starting with the quarterback again, any concerns on Joe Burrow returning from the injury, or do you think he picks up where he was leaving off last year prior to getting hurt? So many concerns. <laughs> so <Yeah>. many concerns. <laughs> um, I, I actually not trying to get hot takey, but I, I think they made the right move getting Jamar chase. I agree. I, mm-hmm. I thought it was, I liked it. I thought it was outside the box thinking when they got to the second round, I think that's, that's where they <laughs> kind of screwed the pooch. Um, there, there was opportunities there to get different offensive linemen that would have been a better fit. Um, so that's where I feel the real miss was. And then the trade down that they did, there was offensive guards that went literally right in front of where they needed to be. Um, Riley reef is not a world beater uh, on your blind side. Uh, after someone just had a uh, reconstructive knee surgery, sure. a, a, whatever you want to say, uh, Joe Burrow had that big, huge scar that was on his knee is telling. Yeah. Um, I'm concerned, and probably the biggest concern is the the upside with Joe Burrow was partially his legs. I I, I hate to use the word sneaky athletic because I, I <laughs> and I'm not going to, but um, he he does bring athleticism. He does bring that ability to scramble, that upside, and I think one of the things they're going to say is you're a franchise guy when from the pocket, and that's why you bring in a quality weapon like Jamar Chase. But I'm. I'm I'm worried. I I think the upside is is capped. Where are you taking him right now? You're taking him quarterback 10, 12 according to DLF somewhere around that neighborhood. And and those those type of projections for him really make me nervous. That's that's not a there the ju- the the old term the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Yeah. I, I don't know how much you're really going to get out of that orange. The interesting thing for me is I like the upside of the passing game and I like the upside of the passing, like the wide receivers. Yeah. So many weapons there. Yeah. And it's like, I'm, I'm willing to pay the price on chase and T Higgins and even (laughs) Tyler Boyd, but it's like, I don't think I have any Joe Burrow shares and I probably won't have any because of the price it costs to get him right now. And it's not an indictment on him as a player. It's just, you know, weighing the risk of coming back from that injury versus what the cost is right now, kind of like you were just saying. Right. Similar similar with Baker Mayfield. What what would I need to do to add something to him to move up? Yeah. Uh, to to get something a little bit more. Sure, I might be taking away a couple of years. I might be buying a guy that's 27, 28, something like that. But remember, the, that quarterback shelf life goes anywhere into the mid to late 30s, yeah. especially once they're productive. So even if you take a downshift and downshift <laughs> to uh, to Matt Stafford, I, I I would rather actually take that gamble versus Joe Burrow in terms of just the quarterback positions. Now now when you're talking about the pass catchers, I I love what they had. Oh yeah, Joe, it's, it's hard not Joe, to. Joe Mixon, I I hope they finally start feeding him out of the backfield in the passing game. Uh. Jamar Chase, yes, I, I'm I'm right there. Uh, Tyler Boyd, okay, yeah, th- that's great. He's a number three. T. Higgins, there's been nothing but amazing reports on him literally all offseason. I feel like since the season ended, it's been he's been dedicated, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster, his hands are better, he's becoming a better route. Whatever you want to say literally is being said about this guy. But my concern <laughs> is... Uh, where do we draw the line? Because 
we're, <laughs> if we want to say all of these pieces are great, then we're also going to say Joe Burrow is going to be like quarterback one overall yeah. in the last century. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I'm willing to say those words either. And we're also willing to say that their head coach is a good head coach. And I'm not willing to say those words either. So I, I personally, I'm trying to just rein in the enthusiasm a little, sure. uh, something I've actually talked a little bit with Chad about was just the idea of maybe moving, finding someone who's really excited and wants that young and beautiful team and maybe moving out of Jamar chase for this year gambling, rolling the dice and saying, you know what, I'll give you the young and beautiful piece that, that does have all of the bells and whistles that you absolutely love, but you're going to, you're going to pay the price for it. Yeah. That that's probably the only move I would try to do because I, I am excited about it. Jamar chase is literally at one point in the pre-draft pot process in my rankings, I would have put Jamar chase above Najee Harris, because I think he's that one percenter. Yeah, he he is that 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 really high level player that you're just excited about. But at this point, I mean, where are all the targets going to come from? You're talking 130 for Chase. You're talking 130 for Higgins. You're talking 100 for Boyd. You're talking 60 or 70 for Mixon, and then you throw in some here and there for Drew Sample, and then all, all the other pieces around it just becomes a bit much. Yeah. It's like, if it all does hit and if Burrow is healthy and can get it all done, it will save Zach Taylor's job, for, right. you know, for sure. Um, and if not, you know, it probably goes the other way. Cause I don't, you know, he hasn't shown very much to make me believe he's a very good coach. Um, but yeah, Tell me the, that head coach doesn't get fired. If, if Joe Burrow takes a big hit and he goes down for <laughs> yeah. some part of the season. Yeah. And to, to touch on Mixon, it, it feels like I feel like I've been down this road, but it feels like it's this is the year. Like it's now right. or never for Mixon. Like there's nobody really behind him. I'm not worried about Samaj P. Yeah. Ryan. Like Chris uh, Evans, I, you're worried about Captain America in the backfield. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I I feel like I've come full circle again where like I came out of last year like I'm done riding the Joe Mixon roller coaster but I'm back baby like I'm back in on Joe Mixon in a oddly enough a pretty big way yeah yeah it's it's a great back backfield uh, there there the opportunities there you don't have geo that should right siphon away that that piece like we saw last year uh I, I touched on Chris Evans Captain America being being the guy to take over uh those third downs I don't really think that's going to happen either. I, I think it could be Joe Mixon's job quickly uh, just just to have it all the way around. And and that's exciting. And on an offense that you're expecting to be a little bit more high-flying and a defense that looks terrible on paper for the most part, you expect them to have plenty of scoring opportunities. They're trying to really drive the ball or garbage time. You're planning on them yeah. having to try to score at the end of games frequently and that – that could lead to double digit touchdowns pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tim, this was a blast uh, for anybody listening who hasn't checked out any of your work, please let them know where they can find uh, under the helmet and all the other good work that you do on Twitter, Patreon, all that stuff. 
Yeah, the big, biggest thing I'll, I do want to shout out is the UTH Patreon. Uh, Chad, Chad and I chat weekly. I actually just I get a text message from him every week um, that's like, okay, here's here's what it's going to be, and this is what we're talking about. And this week we're talking about breakout candidates who will flop. <laughs> so, oh, I like that. Uh, so uh, it, it's usually more of a conversational type of podcast where uh, every night we – we actually talk a lot about Handmaid's Tale on Hulu, if, if you've ever seen about it. Uh, that I'm sure some of our listeners get really fed up with that. Unfortunately, he is not a Marvel fan, so I have no one to talk with about the new Black Widow movie, which I went and saw last Thursday. I was really excited to go see it. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's usually a little bit more conversational and, and quick hitting. Cool, man. Well, on Twitter, he's at it's Tim Torch. Tim, I appreciate you taking the time to join me today. This was a blast to talk AFC North with you, and you definitely provided a ton of killer insight, and we will hopefully do it again soon in the future. Yeah, anytime. Happy to jump on. Thanks, man. Thanks again to Tim for taking the time to join me and break down the AFC North. A lot of great insight that he was able to provide in that conversation, and definitely somebody that I look forward to having back on uh, on the podcast again in the future. So I appreciate all the support as always. We'll keep rolling through all these divisions for the uh, for the next few weeks here until we get through everything. And then before we know it, the season will be here and we'll have a bunch of new uh, new stuff and new news to react to as well. So we'll be back next week and we'll talk then. Thanks, guys. Yeah.